Daddy Gang. It is your founding father, Alex Cooper, with Call Her Daddy. <laughs> what the fuck is up, Daddy Gang? It is your founding father. Oh my god. Back again for another episode of Call Her Daddy. Can you feel the difference? The tonality is a little bit happier, vibrant. We're on the fucking up and up because I'm in fucking New York City. I'm a different person in New York City. Daddy Gang, welcome back to another episode of Call Her Daddy. This week, I am sitting down with Eileen Kelly. Who is Eileen Kelly? Eileen has her own podcast. It's called Going Mental. On her podcast, she talks work, love, life, and of course, mental health. I definitely made a new friend, which was amazing after recording this episode. And I feel like you guys are going to feel the same. Daddy gang, Eileen could be any of us. She could be you. She's a cool ass fucking chick who's really down to earth extremely bright and has been through a lot and through all of this she's made a business out of it which we love to fucking see Eileen moved to New York City and ignited an online community where she and a team of writers actually it also just started with her in her bedroom and then now has a fucking team who answers questions about sex relationships and growing up pretty fucking dope we love to see a boss woman. Literally, we cover so much in this fucking episode. We get into our Catholic school days. Shout out, sister fucking Patricia. And the sex ed curriculum we all wish we had, okay? And to all my goddamn horny bitches in the back, lube up, literally, because in this episode, we dive deep into masturbation 101, blowjobs, and threesomes because Eileen has had many of them and a fucking story that blew my fucking mind. It's a story of a friendship that turned into a revenge porn disaster for Eileen and daddy gang. You will probably be able to guess who did this to her because I did. And if you can't fucking Google it, we end the episode with a discussion on mental health and Eileen openly details her decision to check herself into McLean hospital a psychiatric facility in Massachusetts where Eileen spent five months seeking treatment for her mental health. Daddy gang, I hope you enjoy my conversation with my new friend, Eileen Kelly. Let's just get into it. I'm like, I need a shot. I do, literally. <laughs> Should we be drinking? Can we have one shot? Tequila or vodka? Bo- I'm a vodka, vodka girl. Vodka. vodka for her, tequila for me. Like Dude. some people can just, I don't know how they get up on stage. Like public speaking, all that stuff was never my thing. Okay, the fact that this is about to be warm, I'm so sorry. You don't care. No. I- <laughs> what time, I what time is it? Him. It's noon. Dude, it's literally noon. Oh my God. I think it's necessary. You want to spill on your couch? No, it's fine. Uh, there's been a lot worse shit on this couch. Let me be very clear. <laughs> Let me be very clear. Okay, here I go. <gasps> oh shit, I just smelled It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Here we go. It's for the podcast. We're starting this fucking episode. And we're taking a goddamn shot. A warm shot of tequila and vodka. Oh my God. Eileen Kelly. Alexandra Cooper. Thank you for coming 
from New York City to hang out with me. This is very exciting. She's shaking her tits. You can't see it, but the tits are moving. And right before she was like, if my nipple comes out, can you? I'm like, no, there's nothing wrong with the nipple out. We love a nipple out on Caller Daddy. I'm also so excited because it's not, I wouldn't say it's not too often, but kind of as of recent that I haven't podcasted with someone that has a podcast. So it's, I kind of like podcasting with someone that has a podcast. It's easier for me a little bit like you know where your head is on the microphone how close yeah just like little logistical things just the logistics let's give the daddy gang a little bit of background about who you are and then we can dive into obviously what we're here for which is sex not really but kind of but not really you grew up in Seattle yep you have two older brothers and and an older half sister actually and then you're the youngest yes I'm the baby I'm also the baby so I relate what was the dynamic there for you being the youngest? My siblings are all a lot older than me. Okay. So like, honestly, I felt like part of my childhood, I was kind of an only child. Like by the time I reached middle school, everyone was out of the house and college. My sister was 17 when I was born. Whoa. Okay. So you're like only child vibes. Yeah. With hints of older siblings. Yeah. And like, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm particularly like super close to them I feel like my sister and I are now creating a relationship because obviously like a 23 year old isn't going to be right like close with like a four-year-old so it's like now that I'm finally once I started like entering my 20s she's in her 40s we're now like getting really close but honestly so my mom passed away when I was really young yeah and I think my dad as a single parent tried to just kind of emulate what I had like the family unit that we had had up until that point, if that Got makes it. sense. So like I always did ballet and dance and art. I actually wasn't allowed to play sports. I know. Wait, what? I grew up in a really sexist household. We'll get wait, into that. Wait, wait, wait. Who told you you weren't allowed to play sports? I think it was more of like maybe my mom's thing before she passed away. I mean, my mom grew up in Mongolia. So she grew up in like a third world country, like very rigid standards of women and men and sexism. But yeah, I wasn't allowed to play sports, but um, but my brothers could. It was honestly really fucked up. I would say my childhood was like quintessential, like really, really positive, loving childhood. And then my mom passed away really suddenly when I was eight and like everything shifted overnight. My dad developed a really bad drinking problem and just didn't know how to cope with losing like his partner and he never got remarried oh wow so it was like just having the single dad and I'm a lot younger so I really got I would say the brunt of just the neglectfulness more so than my siblings like I was younger and you're you're very dependent on your parents at that age of course so you were the one that was in the house yes with your dad yes experiencing all that I'm so sorry about your mom. It's a long time ago. I honestly, as I get older, I realize how it's shaped me into the person I am today. And there's a lot of positives to that. You can't live with regrets or like, what if this was different? Like, I just kind of take it by the... Totally. That's how, it's literally how we survive. We got to make the the best of any situation that we're dealt. What was your relationship to the internet when you were younger? I mean, it was like my place of refuge, literally. Like, I felt like I had no one to talk to. I honestly had a really lonely childhood at certain points, like especially in middle school when I started going through puberty. It's like a weird 
time I think with your parents generally but with a single dad I didn't know who to talk to about like my body changing or like getting my period so that's where I moved to the internet and I started this tumblr account literally when I was like 14 15 and I would just talk to other teens online it became like this ask Alice vibe. So like I was 16 and like people would, I would share really openly. Like I had my first boyfriend around that time. I like lost my virginity around that time. So I would talk about it. I would do little posts and then people started asking me questions and that's how my Tumblr kind of blew up. So they would ask me like advice, like, Oh, my boyfriend cheated on me or this. And I'm like, okay, at 16 like what did I really know but like I think I I was just happy to talk to these other young people but it's funny I met people I know now on Tumblr like I met Bella Hadid on Tumblr when we were 16 and I came to LA once with my dad and we had a play date shut the fuck up we met off of Tumblr like I went to her her mom's house in Malibu so that's like the pros of social media and like (laughs) that's amazing the very beginning of social media like in my experience, and I would love to hear yours, yeah. now that everyone, I feel like it's so saturated with yeah. people who have so many followers, people don't jump on like meeting people as much anymore. Like, I agree. So you start on Tumblr. And then I moved to New York. Moved to New York. For college. So I always knew both my brothers went to school in New York. Like Got one it. went to NYU and stuff. Okay. And I always knew, like I would come and visit them and I was like, I need to live here. Like ever since I was a child, I was like, New York is just calling my name. Same. Like get me the fuck out of Seattle. Yeah. I'm like New York or LA, but take me to New York. Yes, specifically New York. Yeah. So I moved to New York and went to college there initially. Okay. And I was like, I'm going to take this Tumblr thing, but I'm going to take it off of Tumblr and I'm going to make a website, just a blog. Right. And I met this coder at NYU like who was like oh I can basically build it for you for free and then I met this graphic designer who worked for Kanye but they were like young and it was the beginning of their careers so they were like down like if I had met them today this none of this shit would have happened it's like pay up bitch like literally the stars aligned at that moment and yeah they built me a website and I would just blog about like what's it like to get an IUD put in or how do I put a tampon in just like super basic things from a first person point of view in the beginning, in the middle of Call Her Daddy, every fucking question was like, oh my God, what do your parents think about this? And so I'm interested to know, like, when did you tell your family that you were, like, going to be pursuing this? Yeah. My family is really religious. So it's been this kind of don't ask, don't tell. And it's something I'm still navigating as my career has like flourished more and I've gotten more opportunities that they themselves can understand. Those are the things I'll share with them. Okay. So like a couple years ago, I was talking, like going and speaking at a lot of universities across the country. Like I've spoken at Brown, I've spoken at Columbia and like these are universities where I'm like, I honestly probably couldn't even get into this school. How crazy is that? Yeah, at like, 20 years old they're asking me to come speak and like give a presentation and those are kind of the things that on paper my my family can be like okay we're proud of that we understand that but even yesterday I was on the phone with my dad I was like I'm going on this podcast like it's a really big deal I'm very excited but like he doesn't really know what podcasts are so he was like oh I'm happy for you but like right there's a disconnect is that hard I think I'm so used to it, even since I was like a young girl. And I almost feel like not having that 
huge amount of support at home has made me a go-getter. Because listen, us Catholic girls, we got to stick together. How did being Catholic and attending Catholic school affect your relationship with sex, your bo- your relationship with your body, boys, sexual education, etc.? I mean, a lot of things. Obviously, what we talked about earlier is I grew up in a male-dominated household. So that was like one tick. And then growing up in Catholic school where... Yeah, none of this stuff was really talked about. It was much more hidden than it would be in other places. So I remember even in middle school, like girls having to bring a tampon to the bathroom, like they were embarrassed of it. So they would hide it up their sleeve. And now I look back as an adult and I'm like, that affects women like way past that age of women who are not super comfortable with their like vaginas or menstruation those are the women who honestly sometimes have a harder time orgasming because they're they feel dirty if we could go back and you could like be in your sex ed class you're like professor kelly like reteach us like what is something for sex ed that you like wish was enforced or taught pleasure yeah i mean i feel like the easy one to jump to is obviously consent and these things like aren't really talked about and they are definitely needed but pleasure is a huge one that's missing like sex should always feel good or like it shouldn't hurt so true i also remember you said something about porn porn education yeah let's also normalize like all right let's play it like this not so real yeah like let's just be real like her on her head doing a headstand and he's coming down from the (laughs) swing and his dick is inside of her not real kids I also was just thinking recently like normalizing in vitro we live in such a hetero world of young kids if it was normalized that like you don't just have to have a man stick his penis into a woman's vagina to get pregnant if we normalize that then maybe also younger kids will feel less inclined to feel forced to be a part of such a hetero world if that's not internally what they're feeling yeah also I feel like normalizing awkward moments in sex yeah. is a huge one. Like you don't see that in porn and like porn tends to be a lot of people's sex ed. Yeah. Just unfortunately it's not supposed to be, it's supposed to be entertainment for adults, but like awkward moments of like, okay, if your partner like comes in you, like, what do you do? Sometimes I jump up and I run to the bathroom and then I pee. Right. So I don't get a UTI. Right. But it's like, it's not like the mo it's not like in the movies. I'm not cuddling with my partner right away. I'm literally jumping up, like, hoping the cum doesn't yes. come out and like those are moments that need to be talked about or like queefing or just yeah. these things that are normal like bodily functions. yeah in porn we never see any moment of an awkward transition from like doggy to missionary it's like and five six seven eight and flip and somehow like the dick stays in it's like yeah. that's not normal no we're like super high quality like a shift from the camera angle and then they're yeah. all of a sudden they're in a new position yes like it's not realistic I agree okay I'm sure you have plenty of stories if it comes to mind like what is one of like your best one night stand stories I've actually never had like a true one night stand are you a relationship girl yeah I'm kind of a serial serial dater What's I'm trying long? to actually get over that I used to be a lily pad hopper what that's what my therapist <laughs> calls it wait explain like one time when I was like 18 or 19 oh my this is horrible I can't believe I'm admitting Say this it. basically my best friend at the time from high school like I knew he always had a crush on me and like we had this extreme sexual tension but I was dating someone else and we had cheated on my boyfriend and then I broke up with my boyfriend and started dating him right away like there was like a probably a two-hour switch but 
But to be fair, my boyfriend got shipped off to rehab and like he moved away. So we weren't even able to date anyways. Fair. And I was young. I was like 19. But like, that's what I mean. I've definitely had like severe crossover. And like for years of my life, I was never single. I always had a boyfriend. Okay. So you're a serial dater. Not right. Not, not right now. Do not, you have a boyfriend right now? No, technically we broke up like two weeks ago. <laughs> technically we broke up. Do you think you're going to get back together? I don't know. We'll see. But I'm usually always in a relationship and it's actually something I'm trying to work on as I get older because I think it's very important to be able alone. to be alone and be by yourself to then not settle for a partner that's not right for you. I agree. Like I see girls or friends of my, or girls from high school, for example, yeah. who grew up in Seattle and then they start dating like some college sweetheart and it's like you've only fucked two people in your life and then they get married and I'm like don't you want to experience your identity beyond being like a wife or a mother or a girlfriend I want to know who Eileen Kelly is by myself love myself and then hopefully meet a partner who adds to my life I see this a lot with like mothers from high from my high school friends yeah. or grade school who have this midlife crisis just because divorce is like sky the rates of divorce are skyrocketing yeah. where it's like okay they got married super young they popped out kids then the kids leave the nest they get divorced and they're like who am I without I those do? identities I don't I literally don't know who I am did you watch sex life that's the one where that actor has a huge dick yeah, yeah. I, that's just yeah. like the only review yeah. I heard of it because I literally in the middle of the scene like he has the biggest dick and I was like is that a prosthetic which it was it turned no out, I heard it was real it turns out it was fake are Dude, you sure where did you read that I literally googled it and it was like they put for that one scene a prosthetic on him it was just it was like literally down to his ankle I know so I was it was like, like an elephant trunk yeah yeah have yeah. have you ever seen a dick that big not in front of me that I'm having sex with but I have obviously in porn but like not that I'm like it's about to enter me no haven't have you had sex with a huge dick that you're like this is painful I have definitely seen one. I honestly was hooking up with this guy once and I saw his dick and I told him, I was like, I don't think we're going to be able to have sex. You're like, I don't think that can go inside. Yeah, literally. What did he say? He was like, oh no, it it can work. Like it works with people. (laughs) So did you not have sex? I never had sex with him. When did you start masturbating? We need to talk about masturbating because this is going to be a whole topic. I recently put an Instagram story on Call Her Daddy if you've never masturbated and like you're scared, can you just like explain to me why? Yeah. And I didn't know how many women would write in. There were hundreds, if not thousands of women writing in. Let me read a couple of these. Basically me asking, can you anonymously share what's holding you back from masturbating? Why are you scared? Short answer, I live with my parents and am paranoid someone will walk in. Second, I really don't know what to do and I'm not comfortable enough with myself. Even though I'm comfortable having sex, question mark. I don't know why I'm scared of it. Someone else. I haven't and I'm almost 27. For whatever reason, the idea is weird to me. I don't turn myself on. The thought of it makes me feel embarrassed, but I'm also totally open when it comes to sex with my boyfriend. Someone else said, I've been through sexual trauma in my life and I feel like that plays a huge part in why I just feel uncomfortable trying to please myself and I get very awkward when it comes down to it. So I think all of these make sense, you know, like the point of this podcast right now is to try to help you get out of those feelings towards being able to masturbate. Cause listen, it's the 
best feeling when you get to that comfort level. And it's so amazing having that relationship with yourself. Yeah. And it will improve your sex life with partners like tenfold. So Eileen, walk me through a day in the life of masturbating with Eileen. I don't know. It really depends. Like I go through phases where I don't masturbate because I feel like a lot of the time I have a boyfriend and then if I'm getting my sexual needs met, like I don't really crave masturbating. And then there's other times where like maybe I'm feeling anxious or depressed and I'm just like, not horny 1000 but then there's times where I'm like super horny and I just like want to masturbate it really depends I am a porn watcher I like I enjoy watching porn what kind of porn amateur like there's a few just videos that I like yeah and solo or girl on girl or guy and girl depends I think I like all of those I randomly like girls with big boobs in my porn and I feel like because I don't have big boobs and something like that that's really interesting I like Like that it's like liking something that I don't have yeah but I think my advice for some of the things that you just read and maybe the one who had gone through sexual trauma is a little bit different I think that's something that maybe it would be helpful to look into talking to a professional or like a therapist to helping unpack that relation I agree but I think for me my biggest advice is it doesn't even have to go straight to the vagina yeah like I and I think one of the girls mentioned like I don't turn myself on I don't think it necessarily means needs to be you turning yourself on I think it can just be like a fantasy or like watching porn or even if you have a boyfriend that you're really attracted to thinking about your boyfriend while you're alone I like just touching your boobs and like which is again I had some of that embarrassment like I remember from that like Catholic school upbringing like it just wasn't normalized at all and it was like the secret that I was keeping so I remember I would turn off my lights and (laughs) not suffocate myself but I would like put a pillow over my eyes or if you have like a a, like a sleeping mask mask, put that on get into a position maybe where you're closing your eyes and it's dark and I have always been a big advocate for like ASMR porn to start and ease you into it. So it's literally like a girl could just be making the noises of her masturbating. And then as you're listening to that, you're not visually seeing it. You get to kind of go into your head of like, who am I thinking about? Who would I want to fuck? Who have I fucked? A past lover, a future lover. Like, what are you thinking of? And then take your hands again, get lube. If you don't have lube, you can spit on your fingers, put your fingers in your mouth. Like I do really recommend lube because it really elevates the experience. And you're right. Like it doesn't have to be your vagina. Like start feeling your body. If you don't want to rub your tits because you're like, ah, that's freaking me out. And you want to just start at the vagina rubbing, not just right on your clit. If you're like, I don't even know where my clit is. It's the top of your vagina. It's like right there. If you lightly start rubbing it, just rub around and you'll immediately be like, oh, that's it. Cause you'll start feeling it. And I think rubbing in between like the lips is a really good starting and just rubbing lightly and trying different motions, whether it's I also tapping. I think it's nice sometimes with underwear on to start. That's such a good point. You can start with literally take your fucking electric toothbrush, put the back of the head over your underwear and just start lightly rubbing it. That's actually maybe the best way I would say to start for someone who's not comfortable masturbating because there's no way you're not going to slowly get turned on if you're rubbing the vibration over your underwear 
and it's going to slowly start hitting your clit and you're gonna be like wait oh my god I feel something yeah I don't think you need anything internal yet nope. like just stay external yeah my recommendation for like a first vibrator would just be like a bullet like something just small maybe it just has one setting it's not like a huge like vibrating dildo yeah. or something you're like stick in your vagina I think it's really really that's a great advice and also again like don't just focus on your clip but I would also suggest to girls that like you know what a clit is but you don't even like know yours yet really get to the point where like you could with your eyes closed go down and like immediately like it's like the pin the tail on the donkey like you could put your finger on your clit <laughs> well, t- no that's what I mean take the handheld mirror and go open your legs and yeah. sit in front of a mirror lock your door yeah. and inspect like where your labia your yeah. you know, your labia is majora and menorah and like and look at a little diagram on google images so easy with yeah phone. and it's also going to get easier women should enjoy themselves and think about the amount of times a guy says oh I'm gonna go jack off that's almost the vibe we need to get to where it's also normalized for me to be like I'm fucking horny I'm gonna go masturbate because once you get comfortable with yourself I think for me my masturbation definitely changes like you said having a boyfriend you it's a weird dynamic you have to almost like adjust and figure out like when is my masturbation schedule I've been doing it where I masturbate more recently because it also then makes me horny for sex. I was going through a period where I changed my birth control and not feeling great. And I felt like my sex drive was down. And so I have given this advice. So I was like, take my own fucking advice. And I started masturbating like whether he like left to go work out and then I would masturbate then once I would do that I would start to get more turned on throughout the day and then want to have sex with my boyfriend so anyone that's like why am I not also if you're not in the mood don't force it I just knew I just needed that extra alone time because I was getting too used to just fucking my boyfriend and then it being like okay I haven't had any alone time listen if you're listening I hope you at least just order some lube today and just hang out with yourself this weekend. I recommend silicone lube. I'm not a water-based lube girl. Look into what you're putting on your vagina because I've had, what is that thing, glycerin? Yeah, yeah. And then it can give you yeast infection. Yeah, you got to just check that the ingredients don't have glycerin in it because that fucked my vagina up for a little bit. Okay, so let's talk about (laughs) blowjobs. Okay. Can you give us, one of your best blowjob tips or just any type of go-to blowjob things that you have in your arsenal that yeah, you Yeah, my whip only out. tip is just don't use your teeth. Oh, stop. I'm serious. That's it. So the first time I ever gave a blowjob, I was you? a junior in high school. Oh, no. I was on a family vacation and I had met this guy by the pool and he was my age and he lived in LA oh, no. and I thought he was super cute. And I just had this feeling like he's going to come to my hotel room later. Like, I think I'm going to give him a blowjob. So he called my best friend who's a little bit older than me. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I've never given one. And she was like, just don't use your teeth and just pretend it's a banana. And it worked. And he would not believe me that it was my first blowjob to this day. Okay, so just don't use teeth. I I think that's just like if you're really going to be focusing on one thing and like I was definitely young and insecure and like really in my head about it. It's just like, okay, just don't use the teeth. Don't don't accidentally use my teeth or bite it. You know, sometimes <laughs> you just need, again, we're going back to the basics. Sometimes you need a gentle reminder that you can't use your fucking teeth. Okay, do you can do you like giving head or no? I do. Okay. I think I... 
Okay, do you find sex more intimate or blowjobs more intimate? I find sex more intimate. And Me too. I, dude, it's so crazy because I used to give these guys blowjobs and they'd be like, we basically, why, why can you give me head and we don't fuck? Yes. And I was like. That is me. Because you 100%. aren't going inside of me. Fuck off. Like I'll put my but mouth But maybe that's dick. like the Catholic thing. I'm yeah. not even kidding. I'm a little more reserved when it comes to sex. Okay. Like I think sex makes me feel more attached. I agree. If I give someone just a blowjob or they eat me out, it's like zero attachment. I couldn't give two shits. But I know a lot of women and a lot of friends of mine who are the opposite. And they find giving a blowjob way more intimate than just getting fucked. It's so interesting because I also think a lot of men think that. Like I remember I had this thing in college specifically and a little outside of college where I... Well, I was on this like crazy fucking like ego train that I need. I'm still unpacking. I was (laughs) obsessed with trying to get the guys that like everyone was like, we can't get them. And I'm like, I'm going to go get him. And then I would get him. And then I was like, we need to level up. And it was just this like constant game for me. I would always suck their dicks and I would never fuck Fuck them. them. And I would see them always coming back around. And everyone then I would talk to about it would be like, blowjobs are so much more intimate oh my god like you're basically fucking him and I'm like nope he's never been inside of me so no and I just saw it so differently and it was like a power dynamic for me that I loved that we had never had sex and I was still getting pleasure they would eat me out or finger me but it was like a power thing for me and maybe it does go back to that catholic thing of like I'm in the I agree same with boat, you though. right I'm not even kidding. I feel like I've had past boyfriends too where I'm like, I'm not going to fuck you. And then they're like, okay, will you be my girlfriend? Like weird things where it's super quick. I remember my, I had a really long-term like awful boyfriend and he had said years later, like the only reason I asked you out so fast is because like I wanted to fuck you. And we ended up dating for years. And this isn't advice. This is just like, we're just, yeah, yeah, we're just like talking it out. I don't give a fuck about my mouth. Like I'm like, get in there. But that's what I mean. Is it some Catholic, like puritanical view of like virginity? Yeah. No, I'm serious. Cause that's something I've been learning to unpack i'm in that boat completely it's so interesting there is no right or wrong answer girls if you're out there putting the pussy out and you're not giving them head like i'm not giving any judgment if anything do exactly what you want to do threesomes (laughs) eileen gave me a little wink have you ever had a threesome i have had many tell me i just threw my paper tell me everything (laughs) tell me the dynamic wait have you ever had a threesome i've had one okay and i know that my He's going to kill me. No, he doesn't care. He's just like, I have a job. My boyfriend and I have talked about it. Okay, I've never done it with a boyfriend, but I've had many. Okay. So I I used to hook up with a couple. That's probably my favorite experience. And they lived in LA and I lived in New York and I would come to LA periodically and I would hook up with them. How did you meet them? I met them out. They were just like hitting on me. But my gay best friend at the time was hooking up with the guy's roommate so like I knew who they were like they weren't just like randoms at the bar and I went home and or with them and I had a threesome but I was like I'm not gonna have sex with because I was the guy with the guy so I did everything else being the third was so fun that's what see it was fucking amazing like you gotta come in I'm like all the attention's on me like I'm making this more fun and special I'm like the new little like toy for the yeah toy for the evening exactly but then I gotta leave before you guys get into a fight 
or deal with the bullshit that comes with being in a serious relationship. Can you walk us through like a night? Oh gosh, that was so long ago. I don't even remember. I'm trying to think of maybe my most recent one. Okay. So it's always, it's always been with, yeah, it's never been someone I've been in a relationship with. I have done it with fuck buddies. Like I was sleeping with this guy last summer. I guess he would say, honestly, we were basically dating. You're like, we weren't. But we were not. And I told him, I was like, I really want to have a threesome. So we found a girl on Hinge. Love. And wait, how did you go about the Hinge? Tell me what you said. Oh, I was super transparent. I was like, that's how we have to approach this. I told her like, hey, I had matched with a couple girls. Like, I'm seeing this guy. I really want to have a threesome. Would you be down? Love. And just like really t- straight, straight to, the, to the, point, the point, which I feel like is the best way to do it. Like, totally. I don't want to lure you to drinks and then he shows up. That's like creepy weird. and weird. weird. No. And she was like, yeah, I'm down. Just like, what does he look like? And like a few questions. And then I want to say she just, I don't even remember if we got drinks or maybe she just came over one time, but we ended up hooking up with her a few times. Oh, wow. And honestly, I thought it was fun just to watch them have sex. Like I was really into that. You just have to have really clear, clear boundaries yeah. in place and communication. Yeah. So like even for this guy, like I wasn't super attached to him. Yeah. And that's why I decided to do it with him. Whereas if I was doing it with someone I was deeply in love with, for me personally, that wouldn't work. I would feel yeah. jealous and like a whole like list of feelings that I don't want to feel. Yeah, it's hard because when I had it, I was with someone that I was like, quote unquote, in a relationship with. But like I knew this is like such a fuck boy and like this isn't going to last. There's such a difference between fantasizing about it and talking about it and then actually actually doing it. And once you go there, sometimes it's hard to come back. Like even with that couple that I used to hook up with, like I do think it fucked their relationship. Maybe in theory she was down with it. But once it actually happened, she was like, I can't believe like you were into her. You did this to her while I was watching it made me feel insecure and like they just couldn't get past it do you know if they ever had a guy in the no, come in they never had a guy I've never had a threesome with two guys but I will say one of the things that I did that for anyone listening who wants to have a threesome I told my guy last summer and I was really straight up I was like I want to facilitate it so I don't want you to have her number. I don't want you to text Smart. her. I don't want you to like hook up with her one-on-one. Like that's my boundary. I want someone random or we have this fun night and then she leaves. And if I if we want to have another one, we can talk about that. But I, I don't want to feel really like smart. there's any competition with this girl. That's where it's just, if you're going to do it, I agree with you. I think setting up boundaries and also... Yeah, I think that's a really good idea for you to have her information and like there's no need for them to communicate outside of those moments. But there's very like pea-sized brain men going on or like, you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. The energy of like, oh, well, I've already fucked her. So what difference does it make? Right. And I'm like, no, there is a huge difference. I've had a couple threesome just with like close, honestly, close girlfriends of mine. Really? Where... I had one threesome with this guy that I had used I used to hook up with. We hadn't hooked up for like a year. And then my girlfriend came to me and she was like, I want to have a threesome. Like, I feel really comfortable with you. And I was like, I'm down. And we had, we just called, we went out to dinner and we texted that guy. And I was like, do you want to fuck us? And we did it. Did you worry that that would affect your friendship at all? It hasn't. I've done it a few times and it hasn't. 
Because I feel like it, there is obviously... You just have to be able to turn it off. Yeah. Like, once again, like, okay, we're in this space. We're having this threesome. But it's not that every time I come over now or when I see you for brunch that I'm, like, trying to fuck you. Right. Yeah, you just have to have, a like, mutual respect. And also talk about, like, okay, are we going to use a condom? So, like, for the guy that I was sleeping with last summer, it was, like, we were sleeping together not using a condom. So when she would have sex with him, they would put on a condom and then we make sure to take it off when we were having sex just so you're not like swapping those bodily fluids. I agree with you. I think definitely make sure you're protected because that you don't need that. Yeah. Be safe. Be safe. Can you describe an instance where a friend fucked you over? Yes. I had this friend that I was friends with years ago, actually before I think I even started my website. Okay. And I had met her on Instagram and I was going through like a really rough patch in my personal life. I've had a lot of ins, like ebbs and flows with like de- depression or depressive episodes or anxious episodes. And I flew down to Miami and we met in Miami and we started hanging out. And then she started dating like an A-list celebrity. Okay. And she came back to New York or she flew to New York. And she was like, hey, I can't live with my new boyfriend. So can I sleep at your apartment and I was like sure so she moves into my apartment she fully moves into my place and like shows up with like all these suitcases and so we shared a bed we literally shared my bedroom okay and like it was nice to have a best friend like 24 7 honestly like we had a great time and like we got so so close and she was dating this like a-list guy And I kept telling her, like, listen, I'm so happy to help you out. I could help you find a new apartment. Like, I do really care about you. But I was living with my brother at the time. And I was like, I can't just have someone, like, living in my space, not paying rent. Like, that's just not cool. And it's creating a weird dynamic in our relationship. So. Mature. I am about to go back to New York and I want to say like the week before I went back she was like I'm gonna go to Hawaii with my boyfriend he has a house in Hawaii so she was like I'm not gonna bring you but I'm gonna bring this girl and it was like this very passive aggressive text and I remember reading it I was super young at the time like 19 and I was offended I was like dude you've been living in my house like what what's going on with you and I think she sent me just an aggressive text being like I don't want to be friends with you like she dumps me as a friend and you don't know why and I don't know why I think she was just feeling like competitive or just getting to a point where she like was ready to push me away and I think that's a pattern in her life okay fast forward a couple months and I get a text message from her and I had had a box of Polaroids where I took photographs having sex with like a boyfriend I'd had when I was like 18 or 19. I never scanned them. So he didn't have copies of them. I only had hard copies of these Polaroids and they were literally of us like fucking like me sucking his dick shit like that. Love. And she sent me photos of all of them and she blackmailed me. She went through my shit, like through my drawers, found this box of these Polaroids, took photos of them to have an arsenal of blackmail, sent them to me after our friendship bombed and said, if you ever piss me off, I'll post these on the internet. So I walked across the street because I used to live across the street from a precinct. This was like, oh God, I was like 19. So what is this like six, seven years ago? So I feel like the laws really weren't keeping up with the times and they're still not today right 
But they told me, they were like, listen, if she puts them online, she can go to jail. But until then, like the threat is kind of empty. But I was able to get a restraining order and I got a restraining order. And let's just say we don't talk anymore. And she never posted them. Thank God. I definitely can relate to what you're saying in terms of, listen, the internet is fucking all of us. Like nothing dies. And if it, if you do delete it, someone's keeping it. That's like a sick fuck. I had someone in my life that I knew since high school that was like really troubled, but I was friends with them and trying to see the best in them. And like, we, we really were close. And then I started to call her daddy. And this person was just very, volatile but I also will say like I lived in a little bit of fear with ending that relationship for so long for fear of not knowing what he would do to me and then it just ended up where like I knew that he couldn't get a job anywhere because of his record and I basically like begged my employer at the time to give him a job and then at the end of it he like threatened me and was like if you don't meet me in this park and give me five bands also I love how he said like five bands I will exploit you blah 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 and from what the themes that I'm hearing from you and what I did was I just did nothing I was like you know what I think you we need to go our separate ways and I wish you the best and and so I think if anyone's getting blackmailed I feel like I love how this is not a theme that I was thinking (laughs) of talking about on Caller Daddy today but if you're ever getting black blackmailed I think the best response is nothing no I agree I mean obviously with the first one in the revenge porn like I did have to go to the police Uh, okay yes yes but it was scary I felt like this is something that's not talked about like I didn't really know who to go to also I was super young and I'm like I don't know who to reach out to and be like hey I have I have naked photos of me fucking like I'm not gonna call my dad and ask for advice on that so I really felt alone and that was what was really terrifying about the situation because I think if I didn't have the confidence to go to the police I would have just tried to dealt with deal with it on my own and that's what's sad and i I feel like a lot of people tend to be in that position. That's a good point. I have had girls reach out being like, oh my God, my ex has videos of us fucking. And he was posting it online or something. Now that I will say the laws are trying to keep up a little bit with the times. Yeah. So in a lot of states, you can get in trouble for that. But It's it's really fucked. It's so fucked. And also when you trusted someone. But like my situation was really weird and specific because she wasn't even in the photos. It's not like my ex was threatening right. to do it. It it's was like, like a random, some chick. random chick. So that made it like much more layered of like, okay, she's not well she's in the tr- head. She's trying to spread like revenge porn and like threaten blackmail but she's not even involved in the thing so it's like a really she also got arrested from my house this is just gonna give got arrested from your house this is gonna give away who it is but i have no idea for stealing a birkin it was like all over the news (laughs) do you know who i'm talking about wait she stole a birkin from you no 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 she stole a birkin i don't even know she says she didn't steal the birkin when we were friends but i think she definitely did I was from say, a, Eileen, you got a Birkin? Fuck. No, no, from a secondhand shop in New Jersey because she left like a lot of paperwork at my house and the paperwork was a bunch of women working at the shop had restraining orders on her. But the cops showed up to my apartment. I wasn't home, but she called me crying, being like, I just got picked up in a police vehicle. They're taking me somewhere I don't know. And I believe they took her to like the jurisdiction in Jersey across the 
bridge or the tunnel. And you were like, God bless. No, I was like, I don't know. I was friends with her at that time. Oh, so okay. I, I was just very confused. I was like, um, why are you getting arrested? How did they find you? Why are they at my apartment? Am I going to get in trouble? Right. Like, like, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> we're switching gears here to... When was the first time you went to therapy? Ooh, probably as a kid after my mom passed away. I saw a therapist for a little bit, but I don't remember it that much. And I think it was very like cold, almost Freudian therapy. Making the decision to check yourself into McLean Hospital to address your mental health was incredibly brave. That was during the pandemic. It was before the pandemic. Before the pandemic. I was in there while the pandemic started unfolding and I left in the middle of Corona Can you walk me through that decision to go? Yes. So I was dating a guy right before I left and I was really struggling with my mental health, just like debilitating anxiety, not eating, not sleeping. I ended up taking a break from work because I just like wasn't functioning, but I was dating this guy and he had struggled with really severe mental health issues years prior. And so he had been to McLean. And he was kind of the only person I feel like that could really see through what I was dealing with. And so he just sat me down one day and he was like, listen, there are options available. Like, I really think and like I say this to you because I care and I love you. I really think you need to like get professional help. How did you tell your dad and like your family? Yeah, so his mom helped me find this program in New York. So mm-hmm. I did an outpatient program at Columbia. Okay. And it was just group therapy that you would go like four days a week for a few hours. And I just felt like shit. I was like, this is not helping me. I still had access to my phone. Okay. And I just felt like I was I was living alone. And I felt like I could go spend all day in therapy in these group therapy classes and then I would go home and have to sit with my thoughts and my rumination Got it. and I just felt worse I felt horrible like I don't even want to be here anymore like I am I going to feel like this for forever and I asked the doctors at Columbia like I really want to go to a higher level of care and so to get into a program at McLean it's not like you just show up and knock on the door like I had to do intakes with doctors I had to fill out like 40 pages of paperwork you have to send all your medical records like it's like a big commitment so I was just dealing with that for like a couple weeks while I was still doing the outpatient program and then I showed up probably began like early November. I did a residential program at McLean. So it wasn't inpatient. Like I wasn't in a hospital gown. I wore like packed a suitcase of my normal clothes. I lived in a house in a residential part of Boston. You wouldn't even be able to, like you wouldn't even know driving by it was part of the hospital. It just looked like a house. Can you walk me through like a day as a patient there? Yeah. So you wake up and there's probably like eight women eight to 10 at a time. And then while people are graduating, then you get a new person. So there's a shift, a rotation while I was there for five months, you wake up, you get breakfast and like you can cook your own food. It's really chill just being roommates. And then you're in class all day. So the types of classes we would take are really teaching you like psychoeducation. So like what is depression what is anxiety? Like, what are the bodily functions? What's happening to your cortisol levels, your blood pressure, all of that shit? And what can you do about it? So, like, if you're having a panic attack, what's a skill that, like, 
for example, they teach us to like throw your head into ice water, like literally dunk your head calms and slows your heart rate. Wow. And McLean is part of Harvard medical school. So they get like some of the top research. So everything that we would learn or do is taught by like Harvard professors. And so it's honestly really cool. And to learn like all of these things that I wasn't taught in school. So you're in class maybe for a couple hours and then in the afternoon time you go see a therapist twice a week. I had a therapist. Once a week I saw a psychiatrist if you're like changing meds. Once a week you have to do family therapy. Oh wow. It's required. And then once a week I also met with a Harvard researcher who's like studying to get their PhD and they would do like very specific like if you had any obsessive compulsive tendencies they would work with you on that so you would like zoom in with your family yes was that like the first time they had done therapy also my I don't yeah I think that's the first time my dad had ever done therapy I think that was my favorite part of the whole program that was like the most life-changing part wow like I think I got so much closer and more understanding with my dad in those five months than I had in my entire life I don't even know if there were certain things that needed to be resolved. It was more just explaining to him, like, my family's not well-versed in mental health. Like, I don't think my parents grew up in families where that was normalized. Yeah. So they didn't know what anxiety really is. Like, obviously, he's heard of it. Right. But he didn't know how to, like, so, like, the doctor could really break it down. I'm like, this is what it feels like to have a panic attack. Like, some people come into the hospital thinking they're having a heart attack. And we have to tell them they're actually just having a panic attack. And, like, that it can be such physical symptoms. So, you didn't have a phone? I didn't have a phone. For five months? For five months. No Instagram for five months. No, like, nothing. I did and was allowed to write letters to people. Oh, great. And received, honestly, like, hundreds of letters from my best friends like guys I used to hook up with ex-boyfriends and like on mail days where I would get those it was like the best Christmas of my entire life and I have them sitting in a box in my apartment in New York and like whenever I'm sad I'll like go through them Mm -hmm. and I'm like this is so special like it's not existing on a phone where like it's deleted or next time I get a new phone I lose it like I have these tangible things I can sit down and read and be like I have a lot of support and people and genuine relationships. Taking five months off is so interesting to me of like, what that was horrible. Were you so stressed? One of the things I really struggled with while I was at McLean was, yeah, am I fucking over my career? Everything that I've built, is it going to wash away? You know, I'm going to come back and it's just this idea that people's lives are moving on without you. And this idea that, time moves it doesn't stop for anyone and I think that was the blessing of COVID is I got out and the whole world was on pause so I felt like holy shit okay everyone's kind of feeling what I've been feeling for the past five months did you ever feel like I need to get the fuck out of here like did you ever want to many times yeah I talk about it really positively because overall it was a great experience but there were days where I was like literally get me the fuck out of here I don't need to be here I'm not as sick as some of the other people like a lot of comparison but what kept you there though like you could have left right uh yeah you have to stay two months minimum like you kind of sign your life away a little bit yeah I mean I guess I could like break some of the rules and get kicked out and that happens 
You're like, I need to leave. Quickly I mean, break a rule. I was literally living in a mental hospital. Like, I have some of the most insane stories. I'm, I think I'm the only person who brought a vibrator. I was like, I'm going to be here for a couple months. Like, I'm going to bring a vibrator. Right. But we were allowed to go to, like, a public gym. Like, you go to the gym every day. Like, Could you go to, like, what do you, you can't go to dinners, obviously. No, but, like, you can go to the store. So we would go to, like, a normal grocery store twice a week and then, like, Whole Foods or Trader Joe's on the weekend. And... Yeah, it was such a weird experience. I was never in like a n- typical college. Like I didn't go to a sorority or I wasn't in a sorority. So it kind of felt like I was in a sorority of like cuckoo people. Like <laughs> I had the best five months. Did you make... Like sometimes it sucked yeah. ass because also if you fight with someone, you have to come downstairs and like you sit in a group therapy and you have to talk it out. I mean, people are just like hypersensitive and dealing with a lot. So... I don't know, just even if you, like, look at someone a certain way, like, they could pop off on you. Yeah. Like, these are people who are, are having problems in their day-to-day life. But, yeah, you have to be sober. You have to get drug tested twice a week. Wow. Um, like, that's really enforced. Were you, like, given, like, a diagnosis? Yeah. Yeah. It's people mostly in the program have, like, different personality disorders. Okay. Um, okay. Or, like, anxiety, depression. But, like, most disorders are comorbid how it was explained to me is like someone who just has like borderline or is just has an obsessive compulsive personality disorder that's like a unicorn like a lot of the time they they exist with something else so someone who has borderline is probably narcissistic too and like these are people who are going to this program because their lives are not like they're not able to function so they can't hold down a job or their relationships are failing and so they're going there kind of as like a last hope yeah or they're very suicidal or they've been in and out of psychiatric holds for years and this is kind of like their last stop were you put on medication like how did that I was on medication before I went Uh, so I'm on Lexapro but a really low dose Mm -hmm. and I take it for like obsessive thoughts and anxiety and I had a really good reaction to it so I'm just on a low dose and it has like changed my life because I know people will write in being like, it's affecting my sex life. Yes, so that's like, a big thing. I mean, do you that's have really any normal. advice? When I was on a higher dose, I felt really numbed out and didn't want to have sex. Now that I'm on a lower one, and I think it took me five months working with doctors to be able to give me different skills. So I wasn't relying on the medication. Got it. Before I felt like I was just relying on this pill, taking this pill every morning. Yep. So I think working with your doctor to come up with like what are tools in my interpersonal relationships in my day-to-day life that can help me and like it just takes me a little bit longer to orgasm now I have to have more foreplay like there's a very specific things I can do to enjoy sex more and being open with partners that's huge like I've told ever since I started Lexapro like I've told the people I've hooked up with like hey I'm on this medication it takes me a lot longer to orgasm and sometimes I can't yeah but honestly like my mental health is more of a priority to me than my sex life because I want to be like happy and want to be alive and not be like not functioning like no sex no career nothing is worth that to me hello daddy gang it's your father I hope you guys enjoyed that episode I felt like it was a great conversation um and 
I really had a great time getting to know Eileen. I may go on her podcast at some point. Who knows? But the thing is, is that we actually recorded for two and a half hours. So I have a fat chunk of content that I didn't put into this episode. If you guys enjoyed um, me having Eileen on, let me know and I may release more in a mini episode. We discuss a lot that gets into business like she discusses her business I discuss my business and if you guys are interested in hearing about that stuff um and also just a lot more fucking topics that I was like holy shit this is a lot to digest in one sitting so let me know if you guys enjoyed this but daddy gay that is it for this week's fucking episode daddy gang you know the motherfucking drill I will see you fuckers next Wednesday (laughs) 